Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we can we can give this a go. I just came back from two weeks of vacation on Monday and I'm a little bit fogged in, but we'll give, we'll give it a try. Let's see what... You know, lift the fog. <laughs> Nothing's going to thaw your brain like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I processed like 500 emails and 200 Teams text messages <laughs> all over the place since Monday, so. You're a machine. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Azure to the Core, everybody. This is part two of our series with Mr. Kevin Lopez. If you didn't catch the first episode, it was called Lord of the Token Rings. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. With me, as always, is uh, Shelly Way. Say hello, Shelly. Hello. Hello. Welcome. How, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Good? I'm feeling we're good. In, I think we're in for a great uh, conversation today, aren't we? I think so. I, I know we are. Um, how can we not be with with the Lord of the Token Rings? And um, I believe Kevin has also brought along some key team members as well today. Yeah, the two towers, right, Kevin? The two towers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know I'm from I'm from Chicago, born and raised, and uh, one of our favorite things is always you know I got a guy. And um, this is, <laughs> this I got a is guy officially like, you know, we were talking, <laughs> we did these podcasts in the past and you guys said, hey, we want more. And I said, hey, I, I got a guy and I got two of them. You, know, you got two. Go. It's a two for one special. Yeah. It's two for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who is here? I got a You got a guy. Do they have names? Kevin, introduce us uh, to yes. your your guys. So today we have the illustrious Bruce Cosden and Avi Singh. So Bruce is is on my team on the networking side of things, so net networking security. And Avi is is on the uh, cyber side of things. And one of the things that we've been doing as a team is joining forces. And Bruce and Avi have been. I love this. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're working together. We've we've brought them together. They've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes, creating content, finding ways to talk about the security approaches, the security products, and to make it, you know, easier for for our sales teams when they're telling the, the story. And then also, even more importantly, probably for customers to understand. You know, I'll defer to, to them to give you a little bit of background uh, on themselves. But um, Abby, you want to, since you're A, Bruce is B, you want to start off, give us a little background on yourself? Sure. So Abby, as you, as you mentioned, I work very closely with our financial services customers on uh, cloud security related um, issues. And these days, my focus has been uh, Defender for Cloud. And under Defender for Cloud, there are um, a lot of capabilities. Basically, if you are, if a customer is running a workload in any of the clouds, like another major CSPs, there is most likely a capability within Defender for Cloud that the customers can use to detect the issues and to prevent bad things from happening in their in their cloud environment. So that's what I do on a daily basis. Bruce, I'll pass on to you. Yeah, thanks, Avi and Kevin and everybody else. Glad to be on this uh, podcast. So I am Bruce Kasten. I'm based in New York. I work on the Global Black Belt team with Kevin. I'm a director of technical specialty on Azure networking and network security. And with that, I focus on uh, products like Azure Firewall, Web Application Firewall, how you integrate these services with Azure Front Door, uh, so you get a cohesive ingress story or an egress story through the Azure Firewall. 
And uh, with these products, you know, I talk to customers pretty much all over the Americas, but primarily in financial services in the Northeast region. And I uh, sometimes attend conferences like uh, Black Hat, where we get to talk to a broader group of customers and really understand how they're going to use these products. And, you know, kind of what I've seen through some of that conversation, especially at Black Hat, is customers are trying to figure out, you know, what is the integrated story? Like, you know, I'm using an Azure firewall, I'm using web application firewall. How do I use that with Defender and Sentinel and some of the other products that you have? Like, what is the secure strategy when I'm working in the cloud? So Abby and I just started working together on trying to figure that out. So it's great for us both to be here to talk about that. Oh, that's fantastic. I think that's a little bit about what we want to do today is is start to peel that back. We started, you know, in our first episode with Kevin, as he admitted, we were a little bit high level. We we know, but uh, I do kind of want to peel back that story today, Kevin, uh, yeah. with your team. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. One thing is the plethora of things. I mean, as a customer, I sit there and I'm, mm, how do I put all this stuff together? Yeah, and right now, you know. Even on the customer side, we see a lot of segmentation and, you know, fiefdoms within different organizations where, you know, one group controls a particular technology and they don't cross the streams, so to speak. You know, the towers are isolated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of the work that we do, you know, from a consultant consultative perspective, as Kevin mentioned earlier, is trying to bring those groups together with the account teams to make sure that we're getting the right voices in that conversation. So when we're talking to somebody in network security and they're like, oh, an Azure firewall, you know, this is the only thing I care about. You know, when we bring that to the CISO, they're like, well, that's not the only thing I care about. <laughs> right. <laughs> so got so, an you entire know, company to worry about, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So on our side, we want to make sure that we we have those dots connected so that when we go to the CISO, we have that material together to start kind of bridging the story together. Oh, okay. Now you're considering Azure Firewall. That's fantastic. But you know, have you also considered the endpoints? Because the firewall is something centralized in the middle of your network flows. You know, how do you control the things that are outside of that but still in the cloud? So then we start getting into you know making that conversation more broad. Are the conversations that you guys have are they typically? And sorry, Kevin, I didn't mean to to jump on you there real quick. But I was just thinking about as you go into those and, and you meet with customers, is it typically a specific application or something that brings you in and then you know you then discover obviously we've got to talk to other offices and need to talk to the CISO's office or uh, are you we usually coming in as more for the holistic story it goes all over the place I would say right so a part a big part of this picture is if you think about the customers there are usually have you you can usually divide them into three very broad categories. People who have almost figured it out, they have the cloud button down and they are now, they were early adopters, for example. The other ones are, they still have a somewhere a legacy operation going in and they are, and they are now trying to figure it out. Like they are on cloud, they are also on premises, they don't know which way to go completely. And the other ones are completely legacy. They, they, their operations, they still are in data centers. They want to stay in data, their own data centers for various reasons. And so a lot of the times the conversations, conversations depend on where does the customer actually lie? 
because the risks will change depending on the model you are you are in and the strategy that you are applying and a lot of the times uh, customers are not aware of the risk itself so the call might actually come from a development group about some pipelines and might end up in Bruce's world because they do not understand that there are there are ways in which you have to you have to find a way to securely access a private link and those kind of things come into picture I don't know if I answered the question, but yeah. Well, I would quite add to that, Avi, because you know I think that's a great point. I think sometimes it, it originates from the IT world or the security world or the CISO that says, am I secure? But I think we also lose sight or some of the business groups lose sight, you know, a, a business that's under pressure to deliver results, trying to you know migrate to the cloud to be more effective or more efficient. They're, they're thinking about the workload. They're not necessarily thinking about all the things that come with it. They're like, how do I get this workload in the cloud? I need it now. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have to say, that's great. We, we want to help you do that. But, you know, how do we do that securely? How do we do that and protect your business? And that's where that conversation starts flowing. Well, and and I think putting on my, my customer app, because before I came to Microsoft, I was, I was a customer. And... And the one thing that I would say that I've noticed within this space specifically is, is that a lot of the workload teams focus heavily on their workload. So, you know, the migration, the Windows SQL, the AVS teams focus heavily on that. And if they do like hit on, you know, networking or security, it's sort of what the guys just said, right? It's, it's sort of like a, a specific thing. Well, we need to do this. And the one pivot that I would highly recommend to you know any customer, anybody that's listening, is to be more inclusive in your discussions. So, so bring in your storage counterpart, bring in your identity, you know, counterpart, bring in your you know the the migration people that that you have, bring in your your security folks, bring in your networking folks, because when you when you look at it that way, it helps you to to kind of build that more holistic approach rather than you don't want to be the person that, oh yeah, we did, we made this decision and we said we have this product that works for this. And then you have a breach or you have something that happens and it's because you didn't consider something else outside of just your scope. And, and so if you're doing that, great, spot on, like kudos to you. But but if you're you find yourself in a room and you know it's just your specific focus area, Think about who else you could bring in, right, to to have those discussions. And Kevin, I would just like to add on that one that a lot of the times when we get into picture, we get into the room with the customers, we often encourage them to start thinking in terms of like less in terms of requirements and more in terms of the user stories. So what right. exactly are you going to achieve, right, with it? And that user story, as you start to write it down, uh, yeah. that yeah. narrative becomes very helpful. Abi, you took the question right out of my mouth. I was, <laughs> I was literally thinking that was the next thing I was going to ask you, Kevin. Was yeah, how how heavily the user acceptance plays into the equation because we all know that sometimes projects fails because they just become unusable, right? Or they, something is so completely locked down uh, that it doesn't make sense. So priority for sure, yeah. and those priorities are what extend the time frame for for some of those projects to go. So I wouldn't say, you know, the failure 
is of a technical nature, the failure is usually just the time to deliver because there's a lot of moving parts and pieces mm -hmm. and getting that security team on board early to certify the workload, to certify the components that need to be part of it to get that security review in place is, is part of the process. And that's why it needs to be done so early, right? As soon as though the topic of a workload comes up, the topic of a migration comes up, you should already be thinking about, you know, is my CISO involved? Are the security teams involved? Has the networking group been involved? Because that process can, can take some time especially if you don't have the landing zone for those workloads to follow into um, as that conversation goes. So that acceptance is a process that needs to start very early when a customer starts thinking about cloud migration. And early is the a big key there, right? Because we, we see that happen in other situations where it becomes sort of a bolt-on and you often have to really restart the whole project if you haven't engaged them early enough. Yeah, I've seen projects completely stop for months at a time because security has to catch up. You know, and it makes it sound like, you know, we're beating up the security teams. They have a very difficult job, right? Exactly. They have yeah. Yeah. Impossible. Resources, yeah. right? And, and for them, you know, their job's on the line. The entire company bottom line is on the line if there's a risk of exposure. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're really the yeoman of the company saying, we want to help you. We want to support you. How do we do this? But how do we do it safely? And that's where expertise from, you know, the Microsoft teams really help those customers get that advantage early on. You know, how is this going to work? What do those flows look like? What are other customers doing? We have tons of examples, stories, customer, um, you know, production use cases, pre-modeled architectures on how to do this. So, you know, we come armed with the right material to help those customers kind of get going right away and, and prove that case so that they can get to the workload. Yep. And also like, uh, remember the partner ecosystem that we have. So we actively pick the partners that have a specialty in particular areas. And the whole point is if you are going to go, let's say if you want to improve your uh, defense capable defensive capability across your cloud environment we have a selection of partners that are specialized to do that and they bring expertise not only from the microsoft solution perspective but also their experience in working in the similar environments as well so that's another piece it's not only microsoft but our partner ecosystem is also pretty rich and that's one of the things that kind of sets us apart uh as well uh not only do we have a great offering from microsoft uh, but then our partner partners that we can rely on as well. Yeah, and I think it's also worth a mention that that we do think, you know, we are obviously Azure focused in Azure world, but we do consider the multi-cloud possibilities here, right? And making sure that that security gateway into and out of Azure, and even when that workload and that data leaves Azure, you know, what are those security implications of that? So we do think about this in terms of, you know, using colo facilities such as Equinix, a core site, or, you know, what happens on your on-premises facility when data leaves or comes into it, or even using other cloud services like AWS or GCP or even Alibaba in China, you know, we need to consider kind of the full defensive posture of Azure and those workloads. I got a couple of uh, questions along that engagement side of things. So I'm, if I'm a customer and I'm listening to this podcast right now, 
And I know that, you know, Azure and Azure application is something, there is a project in play, something in progress that's going to come, come to my attention. What are the things that they can do to prepare, you know, even before you get there, Bruce or Abby, and, and how do you get ready for that? Are the things that would make it easier? For the, for the customer, for sure. I mean, you know, first of all, if, if the customer already has a very well-defined uh, center of excellence or cloud center of excellence, leverage that group because they will already have the guidance and best practices for doing these types of migrations. And those groups get built, you know, from the fact of a migration going to the cloud and trying to build up that muscle. And they know exactly the templates and process and approvals and who needs to be involved. If you don't have a cloud center of excellence, you know, now's a good time to build one. And some things that go into that are, you know, what are the workloads that are you're interested in the cloud? Um, how will those workloads relate to the business problems you're trying to solve? Um, what security posture are you trying to build up in terms of, you know, your, your network posture? Are you a public company? Are you private? Is all the information going to stay private? Do you have external users out in the field that are, you know, VPNing in or leveraging public services? You know, kind of where the users are in relation to that workload uh, will help drive, um, you know, that complete story very quickly. I mean, technically speaking, um, I'm sure a lot of people are aware of cloud adoption framework. So Microsoft has a cloud adoption framework. A lot of the other CSPs have the same thing. And if you look into the cloud adoption framework, uh, it goes into the several scenarios that people or customers might be facing. So it would be a good place to start because they define the best practices as well. Now, selfishly speaking, I uh, I work very closely with Defender for Cloud. Uh, Defender for Cloud itself, it, unlike many other vendors, uh, we give a lot of capabilities for free that are available to anyone that has an Azure tenant. And one of the one of the big capabilities there is everyone gets like every every tenant um, where different cloud is enabled also has where the best also has a, the best practices right so in other words it will show you where you are not following the best practices that Bruce was talking about if you think about the amount of labor saved because of this it's insane because now people don't have to figure out what should I follow how, for each service? Am I following it? When was the last time I deviated from it? All of that is already done for you with the help of Defender for Cloud. And that capability that I'm talking about, that specific capability is free and available to everyone who has a tenant. No other cloud one, no other cloud vendor has it. And by the way, you can bring in your, your AWS as well into it. So. Yeah, you just reminded me, Abhi, we, we also have assessments um, that are free and available directly from Microsoft's website to assess where you are in that migration journey and your readiness that outputs results, you know, of have you considered, do you have these, you know, artifacts from an architecture perspective or a delivery perspective, um, which products are a gap or you need to additionally consider in your solution. So those security assessments, and, you know, I don't know if we can attach links to the description or something, but, you know, maybe there's a way that we could get those security assessments out there uh, as well as the links to what Abby was referring to. We can yeah. do that. We will. Yeah. 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 And, and I know that there's like part of the solution assessment that we're starting to do 
has some security components um, within it. So we're, I'm working with the team around like those, those solution assessments because they do have some of the, the baseline to kind of help build that picture out, you know, of, of what, what's being covered by what, and, you know, then it helps you to figure out like, what should you be thinking about and additional considerations. I'm sure that helps a lot with, you know, building confidence with customers, you know, with those yeah, yeah. proven best practices, yep. patterns and practices that, you know, you've used, used before. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Bro. Yeah. Well, I'd say just one other thing to consider in this list, uh, you know, I think Kevin referred to it earlier. He's got a guy, you know, make sure you've got a partner. Two guys. Yeah, he's got two guys in this case. <laughs> Hopefully the... <laughs> Hopefully, you know, from a customer standpoint, you've got more than two guys because it will take, you know, a, a good amount of people from your team to, you know, help get this through and making sure that you know who those teams are, you know, who your partners are, um, who your CISO is, who your external partners are going to be, um, are all part of that equation when you're thinking about the migration. Uh, the uh, a word of caution um, that I often see people like not adhering to is um, buying point solution that will solve your immediate problem but will create a bottleneck for you down the road. Like understand why you were moving in the cloud in the first place, the scalability, the reliability, security, mm. uh, agility, operational line. Yeah. So all of that stuff, not every not every vendor out there, especially the one that started with the legacy uh, mindset, um, have solution built in that. So a solution that you might be considering might solve your problem of the day, but will become a, a technical debt very soon because things on cloud change very soon. So prefer native if you can, as much as you can. Yeah, that's a great point, Avi. You know, and I think I've seen that a lot with customers right now. You know, the, the message that I hear all the time and I talk to, you know, tons of customers every day is how do we do this with the Microsoft native services? You know, where is the, you know, the roadmap of those native services going? Because customers want to keep up with that journey, right? And they don't want to take on the technical debt themselves of building custom solutions. Because uh, every time they build a custom, you know, then they've got to keep up with Microsoft and the breaking changes kind of impact their, their production world and their ability to be agile. So they really want to make sure that, you know, they're sticking with the Microsoft journey. Microsoft is responsible for the upgrade. Microsoft is responsible for the maintenance. Um, customers are then responsible for the policy that drives the management of the service that they're using instead of the service itself. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we've covered a lot of 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 like approach. Yeah. And and I think maybe to to go into a little bit about if you're using other solutions, right? So God, my acronym chart is is blown up right now um <laughs> you know but but talking about things like cspm you know how you could turn it on and it's of no cost and you know what it does or or why you would enable firewall edge firewall even if you have you know a competitive product you know the different approaches that that you know looking at it from a cloud perspective rather than just sort of like a well, I got this to do this and this to do this and this to do this. Mm, streamlining you know, 
Yeah, yeah. Like, like, what would what would turning the, those things on? How could that help your approach? I think, you know, Abby and Bruce could give a little bit of detail on that. When you start deploying, like a lot of the times when you migrated into uh, or onto cloud, I should say, or now you migrated onto your second cloud or third cloud, um, this is not the same as working on one cloud or you just migrate from data center onto cloud or an app or an application from data center onto cloud, right? Or you just modernize an application, let's say from VM base one to an containerized one. Um, risks will change with it. And a lot of the times people don't know, they still have the same, the, the tools that often the team security teams have do not change. They were written in the past for the applications of the past, not specifically for cloud. So in Microsoft portfolio, if you look at it, Defender for Cloud has this module called CSPM. There are two different kinds of CSPM or two different tiers in it. The foundational CSPM, which is available to, I mean, this is available to everyone anyways. So the free of charge, the foundational CSPM basically looks at your multi-cloud environment and looks at what you have enabled, what services, what workloads you have enabled in there. And it continuously assesses the issues or the deviations from best practices. Now, um, as I was saying earlier, you can, this reduces the headache and uh, labor hours from your teams. And you can choose to then send those recommendations because they are point in time. It's like snapshot of the, of at any point of time, how your environment looks like. You can send those findings over, recommendations over. It also gives you a score, for example. So if your CISO says, prove to me you are improving, right? All this money or CFO saying, I spent all this money uh, on security, prove to me that it changed the risk. The secure score allows you to do that. Uh, and it allows you to do that very objectively because it's measuring, um, is measuring using, um, using the code. So I would, recommend people using that to start with. It also gives you an inventory uh, beside the secure score and recommendations from best, um, which are bad divisions from best practices. Um, it also gives you an inventory of your entire cloud environment as well, which is very hard as you know, right? So many people will have their hands in your cloud environment. It'll be hard for you to figure out what exactly is happening um, at any point of time. Different of a cloud allows you to do that as well. And it's free. That pieces that I mentioned is free. That's a yeah, good price. Thing. That is a good price. <laughs> free. <laughs> one thing, and, Abby, that's also interesting about it, like, you know, if you use the Microsoft Defender for Cloud portal, like if you go into the Azure portal, there's the Defender for Cloud dashboard. And it includes all the security aspects. I think we renamed it mm -hmm. a few times, you know, mm -hmm. for the other security aspects. So it might be good to kind of just level set, there's Microsoft, there, there's Defender for different particular product lines. And then there's the Defender dashboard that kind of covers all the attack vectors, your inventory, your workbooks, your security posture, your regulatory compliance, and even has the firewall manager built into it. <laughs> wow. So you have this one-stop shop now to kind of go in. And it's, it is a little misleading to be fair, right? Because, you know, Microsoft Defender is a specific product with endpoints and with those CSPM capabilities that Avi just mentioned. But then there's the Microsoft Defender for Cloud portal that gives you all those different uh, aspects of the CSPM 
plus Azure Firewall's posture uh, and your data security and your workload protections and your compliance all in one place. Um, and it shows you that for all clouds, Azure, AWS, GCP. So, you know, if you're looking for a place to start, um, you know, not only is it just free, but it, it's all in that one dashboard where you can enable it, turn it on and see your defensive posture. That's really, really cool. And by the way, we're a, a, an acronym inclusive zone here. So uh, CSPM is a cloud security posture management tool, right? That's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's all good. I always like to make sure that we get, hey, listen, yeah. Lopez, pull that not one everybody out, knows. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the people who have been in security for a while or in IT ops for a They're while. They're going to know, yeah. Yeah. Right. And the thing to appreciate about that here is, and this is a very controversial topic because people either are, is on one camp or another. Oh, now best here's of, where Azure to the core gets serious, hey, by the way, folks. <laughs> best of, in my opinion, in my in my opinion, best of breed doesn't work here. And the reason why is because the whole point of coming to cloud was to centralize things, make it easy, take the shadow IT away. And when you start working on best of breed, you have one solution for containers, another solution for servers, another solution for AWS another solution for GCP, then you have homegrown stuff for Kubernetes. It, your security team already is overloaded. Who's going to maintain all of that stuff? Defender for Cloud, as Bruce was talking about the portal, it's you just have to learn one thing. Everything is in one place. Makes it easy. And you can consume via APIs. You can export stuff to your heart's content. Um, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's another great point, Avi, is customers underestimate, you know, the the differences between the clouds and they think, all right, you know, I can have containers on three different clouds and then have a security posture for all three clouds. But when you start adding in observability, governance, you know, production support and all the other aspects that come with, you know, putting a container in a cloud, um, you then have this very large, very specialized team that needs to understand each of those cloud services. So it, it's a lot easier when you put the surrounding services in one place, your log analytics, your Sentinel seam metrics, um, you know, your cloud posture management, if, if all of that is in one place, uh, you only have to learn one tool and one process. So not only does it simplify, make it more manageable, but also it seems like it would also reduce your risk as well. Mm -hmm. This is cheaper, yep, cheaper, scalable, reliable, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Easier to manage your name, but it, it does it all. Yeah, I, I, I would like to mention, you know, also on the the net network security side, you know, the firewall piece, you know, customers try to also do best of breed there, right? You know, they try and say, well, what type of firewall can go across every single cloud? And then I only have one firewall to manage. And that's true from a policy perspective, but you need to think about all the other aspects that come with it that I just mentioned, right? You know, you still have to deploy VMs to those specific clouds and have specific services and capabilities around observability, governance, security, et cetera, that I just mentioned. So sure, your, your product management might be easier on that one firewall product, but now you've added all these specialized services to protect it, to make sure that it's correct. Instead of using the native service in a particular cloud like Azure Firewall, which is up and running in, in minutes. You deploy it, 
you don't worry about the infrastructure, you start managing your policies, and you stay within that policy world. And then you have specific resources on these teams that are focused on those particular aspects, like this is the security policy expert. You know, you don't need to bring every single person from the infrastructure team out to then manage that service. You can specialize it for what it's used for. So we, we get a lot of uptake in Azure Firewall for, you know, probably the 90% of the use cases of what needs to be done because it's fully managed, it's fully uh, operating on the Microsoft platform as a native service. That's awesome. Yeah, and that even goes for, you know, DDoS as well. You know, you can do DDoS in Akamai, for example, or other particular service providers provide it. But if you don't do it in Azure, you know, close to the workload where the workload is running, then you don't get the benefit of, you know, all the observability and visibility and protection um, that Azure is good at because we know our platform, we know our edge services, we know those traffic patterns of what comes in and out of our network. And because of that, you know, you're, you're not going to get a better DDoS experience by using another provider that doesn't know those patterns, right? We collect all of that data at the edge of our services to understand, you know, the, those traffic patterns and when a DDoS is occurring, what those patterns look like. So uh, guys, this has been incredible. I can't believe that we've blown through this amount of time in such a short amount of time. I, I know, uh, Shelly, did you have any more parting questions, Kevin, Shelly? The, These guys yes. are great. Uh, yeah, I, they are great. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, make it real. Let's go into scenarios and and uh, what, you know, approaches. I think that'd be great. Yeah, examples are always great. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you something. If you're listening to this and you had some questions out of this and you've got some places that you would like us to go in the next episode, please drop us a comment. Yeah, drop us a suggestion. Say, you know, I, whatever it is, it's like I'm having difficulty on my team understanding whatever component, right? We talked about the secure score, for example. So maybe you have questions about that or, or any of the other great topics that Abby and Bruce discussed today. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And I can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, thank you all. Appreciate it.